In the 1970s, a future top-notch podcasting team was born, and then raised on military bases because their dads were in the Air Force. These Gen Xers eventually grew up and were unleashed upon the world. Today, looking forward to retirement, they survive by dishing out their opinions. If you have questions that need answers and an open mind, if you can spare 60 minutes a week, and if you have internet access, maybe you can listen to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. Father, Father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the answer, for only love can conquer hate. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Picket lines and picket signs. Don't punish me with brutality. Talk to me so you can see what's going on. Listening friends, and if you don't already know, that is by the late, great Marvin Gaye from 1971. Again, another song older than your hosts. Who are your hosts? I'm Kenyatta. He is Jack, and we are here to save the world. Welcome back, guys. We're excited. We have. We are very excited. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That we do. Super excited to have a guest. We always enjoy all of our guests, obviously. Yes. This guest is super special, namely because a month ago we didn't even know the place that our guest worked at existed. which was on us (laughs) but now that we do know we want to share the love with you our listening friends definitely definitely do you want to introduce him and then we'll we'll Uh, rest (laughs) yes we have hunter miles davis who is a park ranger at the new orleans jazz national is it historic park Mm -hmm. and i think that's Probably got to be one of the top 10 coolest national parks that there are just because it's dedicated to music. Mm-hmm. So, and, that, uh, and that's yeah. on my list now. So, oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that's like the only reason now that I would go to New Orleans because, like, I, we were talking earlier, I don't want to be around that many people from Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that was my goal is either going to be Mardi Gras or Essence Fest, maybe oh, both yeah. one year. I don't know. But now, definitely, that will also be on the list. So, hooray. So, yep, yep. Here in a second, we're going to get into uh, talking with Hunter. Um, but we just want to um, say real quick that uh, the entertainment world had a couple big losses over the last few uh, week or so. And uh, I just want to say uh, rest in peace to my fellow Oklahoman, Toby Keith. Um, I never got the opportunity to meet Toby Keith, but my brother used to install carpet and he changed the carpet in Toby Keith's house once. That's notable. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah, he uh, said they got there at like eight in the morning. Toby Keith came to the door, clearly hung over. I <laughs> said, come in. It's in, took him to this room and said, it's this room. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It must be nice to be able to do that. Well, when you're moneyed. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted enough money to be able to just point and then go back to the room and have people drive me around. That was the goal. I'm not quite there yet, 
<laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. So, yeah, Toby Keith will in the entertainment world be missed. And uh, one thing people, I can't remember which big tornado it was that came through Oklahoma City area, but he raised several million dollars to uh, help people uh, recover after that with a big mm. giant concert at uh, OU's football field. No, so, I didn't know that. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So anyway, Kenyatta, if you will uh, continue the sad news. I hate it. Um, also passing quite surprisingly to a lot of people uh, was uh, action star Carl Weathers, better known as Apollo Creed in the Rocky movie franchise. Um, apparently he passed away, according to reports, passed away in his sleep. On the first of this month, and I don't know, you know, we none of us are getting out of here alive, but I would like to go in my sleep if I could. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the way to go if you're going to go. Absolutely. Which we're all going to go. We're all going to go. So, but he definitely had a Sears resume under his belt. Of course, Apollo Creed in the first four out of 17 Rocky movies. Uh, also... He played uh, Jericho Action Jackson in the 1988 movie of the same name. Also had a supporting role in Adam Sandler's Happy Gilmore. That was funny. He had some serious comedic timing in that movie. Oh, that that yeah. was ridiculous. So. That, that may have been his greatest performance. <laughs> <laughs> no, the greatest performance is when him and Rocky are uh, well, racing yeah. down the beach, and he let Tracky mm-hmm. win. <laughs> and he let he let him win. I would never argue with that ever. There's no <laughs> debate. But um, yes, a couple of uh, sad losses in the past week, and I was just thinking, and uh, I'm sorry if it sounds morbid, but you get to a point in your life, especially when you pay attention to entertainment, that you watch a movie and you realize the two leading stars are no longer with us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, because both him and uh, Vanity, who was his female lead co-star in Ashton Jackson, are no longer with us. It's wild. Yeah. Life is short and wide. Yeah, and he'd also moved into directing because he had direct- directed, I think, three or four episodes of The Mandalorian as well. He did. You're absolutely right. He did. He he was doing some work on that show. I was like, look at Mr. Weathers. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you go and watch any of the stuff about the Mandalorian, all the actors talk about just how great it was to work with him and, you know, just how awesome he was. And he would always give advice to everybody and all of that. So it's going to yeah. be sad not seeing him on the Mandalorian. Yeah. And I should also put in, I just realized this, that he was born in New Orleans. Hmm. There we go. There we go. That's our tie-in. So... There's that bit of news. Sad to say. Mm. Onward we go. Onward we go. I guess we must march on to the next yes. segment of the podcast. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> so naturally, um, Kenyatta and I did not discuss this ahead of time. Ooh, that's our fault. Because I <laughs> had a hell of a last two days. Mm. Feel like I ran a marathon, even though I didn't do anything other than drive around trying to get paperwork filled out for two solid days. But anyway, that's always fun. Do we want to continue into WTFs or go straight into the interview, Kenya? I don't know that we necessarily have to have a formal 
WTS segment, but there is something I would briefly like to debate because I think it's a bunch of hooey. Let's discuss the hooey. Brace yourselves. All right. Rolling Stone, that music and politics magazine, put out its list of top 20 guitarists of all time. Okay. Here's your top 10. All right. Starting at 10. Pete Townsend. Okay. Dwayne Allman. All right. Eddie Van Halen. I agree. Yeah. Chuck Berry. I also agree. Right. B.B. King. Also agree. Yeah. Jeff Beck. Okay. Keith Richards. Uh... Jimmy Page. Yeah. Number two, number two, Eric Clapton. Number one, Jimi Hendrix. Guess who is not in this top 20 list at all? In the top 20? Oh. Do you want uh, the other 20, the other 10? Uh, I think I have it figured out. Um, I have a feeling that after he beat Charlie Murphy in a game of basketball, he served him pancakes. Yes. He is not <laughs> on this list. Yeah, Ooh. that's that's a big Ooh. oversight. Who are these people at Rolling Stone making these lists? What is this? Because Eric Clapton himself said Prince was the best guitarist he had ever known. Yeah. And you don't have that magical musical midget man on this list? Are you kidding me? I had to talk about it. I had to talk about it. I I don't blame you. Um, (laughs) I love Prince. But at the same time, I just don't think it's fair that one short man could have all of that talent wrapped up <laughs> in such a small tight package like that you know i only the only instruments i play have air in front of them I play the air guitar the air keyboards <laughs> the air xylophone and the air wine glasses filled with water um, i used to i used to fake play the drums in um me and my my best friends fake kiss cover band way 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 back in early grade school we were pretty good I would imagine so. (laughs) (laughs) But segueing here with our guest, who is a musician, how do you feel about Prince being left off that list? You you really can't have a complete list without Prince for any any you know instrument that he really played. He was fluent in all of them, and his production was just off of the charts. So you know to to not include him is like is that list really? Um, ballot <laughs> in no way whatsoever. I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on. Um, let me ask real quick: Is David Gilmer in the top twenty? Uh, let's see. Here's the other. Let me give you the other. The other ten. Yeah. Eleven was George Harrison. Okay. Twelve, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Thirteen, Albert King. Fourteen, David Gilmore. Fifteen, okay. Freddie King. Mm. 16, Derek Trucks, 17, Neil Young, 18, Les Paul, makes sense, 19, James Burton, and 20, Carlos Santana. Okay. Maybe yeah. five of those, I maybe five. Yeah. Gilmer's definitely in the top 20, but I might be biased as a huge Pink Floyd fan, so. I mean, there's that. There but I don't think I'm biased. I mean, he has like eight guitar <laughs> solos that are in the top 50. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> and there was somebody else 
um, when I was reading the comments, because someone had posted this on Threads. Threads is fun. I'm trying to tell you. Threads is what Twitter was before it got Florida swamp toxic. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Somebody said they mentioned the guitarist. I can't think of his name for life of me. I'll think of it later on after we're all done. He was the guitarist for Parliament and Funkadelic. That man can Mm. play. There's a song he does where he does this extremely long solo, and it is ridiculous. I'll think of his name in a minute, but they left somebody who's like, they left him off? That's what I'm saying. Who did this list? <laughs> they were clearly oh, high. I mean, this is supposed to be a music magazine. Yeah, mm-hmm. but leaving Prince off is just egregious, and I'm not going to subscribe to Rolling Stone because of that in protest. I had no I mean, plans of doing that anyway. That's what I was but now say. I'm really am not. <laughs> you, you don't even have a subscription. Stop. <laughs> okay. Thank you for indulging me. I had to get that on my system. Now we'll get into the good stuff. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we're, we're very fortunate. We have our guest, Hunter Miles Davis, and, uh, he came on my radar in an interesting way. I took a webinar at work and he was one of the speakers on the webinar. And as he was talking, I was like, he would be a perfect guest for K&J because I was not thinking about work-related stuff at work. I was thinking about the fun part of life. <laughs> and so I was like, would it be appropriate to email him? Would it not? And then he said, yeah, if you have any questions, email me. So I was like, all right, I'll email him. <laughs> so... Uh, Hunter, why don't you take a few minutes, introduce yourself, kind of tell us your uh, your journey, how you ended up from um, North Carolina, correct? Or South Carolina? Carolina. Right, Sometimes, yeah. And to, uh, to New Orleans. Yeah. So first, thank, thank you, Jack and Kenyatta, for having me. Um, love what you guys are doing. It's a pleasure to be here with you all this evening. Um, as they both have said, I'm Hunter Miles Davis. I'm currently in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, started my journey way back in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, where I grew up and uh, attended Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia. Uh, you know, the real HU, as we like to call it. Um, there I majored in audio production and well, in music uh, focused in audio production. Um, and so uh, I had about a year or so after um, completed my first two semesters at Hampton, and I had a best friend who uh, kind of uh, was very explorative when it came to doing things and internships. And I knew that after the first year, I pretty much wanted uh, not to be at home anymore. You know, going back to Charlotte was nice and fun, but I really wanted to um, take advantage of being in school and having those internship opportunities. Um, so I started to look out and see, you know, what could I really find? And I had really three main points for my criteria of where I wanted to go. It had to have a housing stipend. I had to still get paid um, and participate in a paid internship. And it just could not be in Charlotte. And so uh, (laughs) after speaking with her, I kind of ended up coming to the conclusion that I was going to do something within the park service through a program called the HBCUI program hosted by the Green Youth Foundation. Um, so that was Historically Black Colleges and University Internship, which uh, Green Youth specifically focuses on um, creating that diverse palette 
for um, the National Park Service and trying to, uh, again, diversify that workforce and environment. And so through that program, I was able to find a national park. I was going, I was prepared to really go anywhere. I saw that they had internships in Florida. They had internships in California, internships in D.C. So um, I've always been pretty good with academics. So I wasn't really um, nervous about going into a field that wasn't necessarily music. I just really wanted to not be home um, <laughs> and be in a whole different environment, you know, over the summer, because it was just like, you know, that taste of freedom and kind of just I'm a I'm a huge adventure person. So, you know, I was like, whatever it takes to pretty much step off um, into my own realm. And so uh, going to the internship page, I saw that the last internship that was available was going to be uh, in New Orleans. It was at New Orleans Jazz National Historical Park. And it just so happened to be a music internship. And so um, my first year, this was back in 2018, summer of 2018, I was able to come to New Orleans again, live out in New Orleans by myself in the French Quarter, um, walk up the street to work, um, have a good time with programming and doing formal and informal uh, interpretation for um, guests and visitors that were coming to New Orleans um, as a musical interpreter. And so I would uh, have different concerts, different uh, ranger talks, if you will, in which I would explain, you know, the history of jazz and the history of rhythms here in New Orleans. Um, and then the next year, 2019, I actually ended up doing the going through the same internship group, uh, Green Youth Foundation, HBCUI program. Um, but I was at a different park, John Lafitte uh, National Park and Preserve. So that one was a little different, but it was still here in New Orleans. And I kind of solidified myself in this environment. Uh, by 2020, that was COVID year. So I kind of had a, a little bit of um, time to think if I really wanted to pursue the National Park Service for a full-time career or starting career, if you will. And uh, with that, I, I kind of determined that, that New Orleans was the place for me to be. So in uh, June 2021, I ended up making it official and moving to New Orleans. And now I am a interpretive park ranger here in New Orleans, in which I uh, do the same things I was doing as an intern, explaining music just basically creating that uh, overall public appreciation for the history, culture, um, development, and origins of jazz um, through many different avenues. So it's, it's one of my favorite places. You know, like you said, it's uh, top 10 for me. It's the number one national park in the uh, out of the 428 that are in the system um, because you it is the only park in which the rangers are uh, our job duty and title includes being musicians and not just, you know, and no offense to anybody that may have an amateur um, musician title to them or may just do it on a hobby. But we're professional musicians um, inside and outside of the park. And so it is one of the it's the only place in which you can come to um, to see those as rangers. Um, but there are other parks within the park service. Um, in which you can go and they have concerts, one being Wolf Trap that is a little bit further, I think, northern Virginia. Um, so if you're in that area, you can go and see concerts there. But there, there will not uh, it will not feature Rangers um, performing. They kind of hire outside bands. So we're the only park and we're special and unique um, in preserving that historic art form of jazz. That's really cool. The best part of that is, is you're a professional musician who has benefits. 
health oh, and yeah. dental insurance. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, I will not lie to you when I say the federal benefits are, uh, it's, it's something. Because, you know, just as a musician, um, it's hard sometimes to find a consistent, steady paying gig. You know, you're always having to hustle. Um, sometimes you have your late nights where you're just, uh, you know, playing in those clubs and bars and things like that just for, you know, uh, a little bit of amount. But, you know, being a federal musician, you know, I, I get the benefits of playing all day. And then on top of that, you know, having a 401k, setting up, you know, different type of or having my leave situations where I can, you know, kind of leave work for a couple of days and, you know, still have that count towards my um, pay. And that's that's just reality of working with the government and being a musician. It's, it's a blessing to uh, be in this position. Yeah. So what like instruments it, yeah. do you play? Um, so I'm a percussionist. Uh, I play piano. Um, I mostly play most of my gigs on drums, but I do have uh, knowledge on piano and I do play um, here and there outside. And then I play other since I've been in New Orleans, I've learned a lot from some West African percussions, percussionists mm -hmm. out here. Um, so I've played djembe. I've learned to play the uh, balafone, which is um, kind of like the xylophone or marimba, but uh, tuned completely differently. Um, and it, it comes with a little bit of heritage to it and some uh, other hand percussive items that I pretty much just pick up and I'm able to play with some of the groups that I play with out here. That's really cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. I'm jazzed. Like, I want to, like, literally go make plans immediately to come down there to take it all in because oh you have to <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna have to now it would be like it would be a sin not to like just like you said it's unique in the fact that y'all are y'all are literally government musicians y'all have good government jobs and you get to yes. play music <laughs> i absolutely love it but like you said it's unique because you think of the national parks you think of trees and geysers and mm -hmm. canyons and you know, National Lampoon's Vacation, that kind of stuff. Like to actually go to a national park and just get your bop on. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love the Especially idea. Especially midday. Um, you know, we host most of our concerts midday. So um, if you had a family to come and visit, you know, sometimes they don't want to go out, of course, to Bourbon Street with kids or go out to Frenchman Street with their children at night. So if they still wanted to really have that full um jazz experience they can come to one of our concerts midday where we actually hire some of the local musicians around to kind of keep the community involved um to be able to play those we play with them and they play with us um to to create that concert experience for them and like i said you know it's 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 a very fun and unique place to do so and you know uh new orleans is pretty hot during the summer so we we do it all in the ac so it's a nice way to get out of the sun um after you have a nice bit yeah you know you just walk down to to our place and you know have a good concert for an hour to to really enjoy it and and dive into you know that that genre of jazz how big is the uh park is it like like just an old mansion or something that's been converted to the uh to the like museum slash park you know, so actually, land, how, how's, how is that? Yeah, we have uh, three different locations, one being uh, an old candy shop right on Decatur Street, which is on, going to be on the perimeter of the French Quarter, um, kind of right by the riverfront where most people, you know, will get on those uh, 
steamboats and things like that. So we're right, right in the heart of the French Quarter. And then a little bit further down, right uh, behind Cafe Dubon is our other location, in which is more of a concert hall space. Um, so visitors will come in that area. And it's just one building that we kind of um, – uh, have leased out right now and then we also partner with the louisiana state museum which was also the old u.s mint um on their third floor uh now it's the jazz museum and on the third floor is going to be their concert hard space in which we perform and have recordings and things of that sort so um depending on the time of year that people come in the day we may be at every location during that same day um, or we may just be at a different location. We also participate in the different festivals. Uh, if you know anything about New Orleans, there's a such thing as a festival season in which, you know, we have these random kind of festivals throughout the uh, weekday year um, in which, you know, you can pretty much participate. And it's really just music, fun, food, you know, all family environments. Mm -hmm. um, and we play at those different events to uh, not only show face of the park, but again, uh, represent what it is that we're, you know, preaching at, at our part. That's really cool. I've put on several festivals, but I'm going to say the music is slightly different. It's, <laughs> I, I should say. Because it's a Scottish festival, so it's bagpipes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like to joke around that it's the only festival you go to where there are more men in skirts than women. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Hunter, when let's say you're... um. Do you actually like lead tours through things or is it that you just kind of give like a, a verbal overview, like the history of jazz and what the museum does, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. So we used to have um, rangers that we did a ranger led tour around the French Quarter. Um, now we kind of do that through a separate program, which is our it's going to be our mobile app in which people can go to these different spots, listen to pretty much a voiceover or recording and that explains, you know, the importance of that area and what musicians may have come from that area or who might have been specifically in that um, area. But for us as Rangers, we do just do a general history overview. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on our talk and the Ranger that is giving their presentation, um, those topics pretty much shift. Um, for myself, I'm a percussionist, so most things that I talk about are going to be the rhythms and how they have pretty much progressed throughout New Orleans and how we still hear them today all the way back from West Africa, um, you know, from the beginning of that transition um, of music. And then we have a vocalist, and she speaks on, of course, the vocalists in the city that have pretty much emerged from New Orleans and how things have changed from spirituals to um, field hollers back in uh, slave days and then how that progressed into jazz um, and then we have a bass player so he talks about the overall structure of the music um, and he's he's actually a New Orleans bred musician so he's been playing with a lot of famous people as they come through the city um, used to be on tour with Aretha Franklin so he's pretty established and um, you know creating that idea and culture of what new orleans music really is and you know he really breathes and lives that music since he was a kid i you know just moved here about two and a half years ago so um, i'm still learning it's a lot it's a lot to uh, take in but having those three different perspectives of musicians and having that talk um in these presentations they're all going to be different on a day-to-day -day basis 
Is it sort of like a school of rock vibe when you're sort of oh, teaching yeah. the history of it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the funny thing is, well, I don't know if it's funny. Most people don't realize that in a lot of ways, jazz is like a cornerstone of all popular music today. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. um, so many, especially back in the 60s and early 70s, so many musicians, jazz is what influenced them, even though they went into rock. But mm-hmm. jazz was their influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example would be the drummer for The Doors. He was a jazz mm-hmm. drummer before he started going in The Doors. And if mm-hmm. you listen to their music, a lot of times some of that the drumming that he's doing is more jazz. You you can get that jazz uh, influence from uh, from his drums. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's really cool that get to share that knowledge with everybody. I like <laughs> it. I like <laughs> it. And there's. Uh, and it's just a failing in general. And I don't know if it's anything that needs to be brought up, let's say, in the average school kids curriculum. But it's it's a failing somewhere in there that more kids don't know growing up. The origins of music, like yeah. the majority of American bred music genres come from this area of the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's, it's, it's sprung from very specific roots. So it, it I, I remember... Years ago, I was trying to have this discussion with someone that um, I said, well, you know, the most of the music in this country is, is is comes from black folks. He looked at me like, no, it doesn't. Like he could not like he was dead serious when he was like, no, no, it doesn't. Well, where do you think? And I said, well, who's your favorite group? And he said this. And then they got they got inspired by this. And then this came from this and this came from this. And he's just looking at me like, what can I do? I'm not making this up. Of course, this was the days before the interwebs and Google. <laughs> was, was, was Alta Vista around then? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't making it up, and he just could not. It it didn't. It couldn't. It didn't click on. I mean, granted, we were. You're younger then. The older you get, the more things you learn. The more you realize that certain things make sense. But yeah. Yeah, sort of, sort of preliminary to that. Kenyatta knows because we've talked about this. When I was in the army, um, there was a black dude that just for the life of him couldn't understand why I thought Tony Braxton was hot. (laughs) He's like, but no. And I'm like, Tony Braxton is hot, dude. Tony Braxton, (laughs) if you're listening, I may be married for almost 30 years. But you're on my you're on my exception list. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and check this off as your yearly attempt to holler at Tony Braxton. <laughs> yeah, yearly, yearly. <laughs> it may be twice a year at this rate. I don't know. But this is the first time, so I'll just check it off. It's pretty early. It is early in 2024, so <laughs> it is early. It is early. So I happen to you know, do a little Googling. And I found somebody in SoundCloud that looks just like you. Uh, <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I took a listen and I'm the kind of person I listen to just about any kind of genre of music. But if you can catch me in the first 10 to 15 seconds, you got me. I was sitting here like, what? <laughs> that is good stuff. That yeah, is awesome. So that was good work. I love it. I, I went, I guess it was just playing by the list. And the first one they had on the list was Silent Hill. Oh, yes. Yes. So um, the story behind Silent Hill, I was that was my first summer, actually. So those are pretty old. 
Um, but Silent Hill was actually brought to us by one of our other internship uh, interns with the Park Service. Um, that was a part of LHIP, which was uh, which is Latin Heritage um, Internship Program, and uh, which is similar to HBCUI, but it's through a whole different organization um, and a little bit, you know, different. But uh, I had a good friend by the name of Johnny. And he was uh, just kind of learning and finding his way into jazz. He played uh, piano, learned kind of classical piano. And so uh, he wanted to learn a little bit more about the jazz genre. And so his internship was experience was different from mine because I had been listening to jazz, you know, being named after Miles Davis. I've been listening to jazz my whole life. And Mm -hmm. so. Um, it was something that, you know, I had been kind of longing to play for, um, to play. And then, you know, just I was used to that music. But for him, he was really learning a totally new genre. And so Silent Hill was something that we ended up doing for his final performance um, from the movie Silent Hill. Um, and it was their theme song. And so he wanted to add a kind of a cool perspective onto that song and uh we did we had steel pan uh johnny played piano we had a trumpeter by the name of ashlyn parker um myself on drums i think we had we had charlie denard which uh he's also the head or he was the musical director for circus Olay. um he was the organist on that track and uh i believe we had molly ducos which is also a former um, she's a Hampton alum and uh, she plays violin and so she's now at Temple University in Philly but she was an uh, overall great musician and so that whole band was uh, put together for his final performance and Silent it, it was just a great song to, and a great take on it um, if you listen to it you can kind of hear Ashlyn as he's uh, kind of using a mute over the track so it kind of creates this eerie feeling um, and it was just nice to see the audience reaction as we kind of uh, presented that song in a new uh, way. This you're saying it's from the movie, like the horror movie Silent Hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to go back and watch it again now because mm-hmm. I just I, I it, it, it didn't even click in my head that that's what that was from. But I got to go mm-hmm. back and listen to that again and then and watch the movie. That's wild. But I like that. It, it caught me. And I just I was I was getting myself together doing something. And like the ten, first 10, 15 seconds, and then the, the bass dropped. I was like, I just can't oh, yeah. sit down. Like, <laughs> what's this? That's, that's like all the pieces that I listened to on here were great. Um, and I have to say, like, from what I know, I'm, I'm not heavy into jazz. I have my favorites, but I like it. But mm-hmm. what I was hearing in there, and tell me if I'm, I'm deaf or something or tone deaf, um, obviously your namesake. Also, some John Coltrane, mm-hmm. and the the two I grew up listening to, Algero and George Benson. I heard okay. that in there too. I was like, I like this. Like you could, you could, I could see myself sitting in someone's really dark club with some brown mm-hmm. liquor on the table. Just <laughs> I could see that, or just at home. That was just really that kind of music that you can just sit back and close your eyes and you're enveloped in it. I like that. It was really nice yeah yeah it's just a just a little taste um and like i said those were those soundcloud files are from my first year um luckily i've gotten a lot better and we played some more 
um just heavy kind of things but uh it's just nice to kind of listen listen back to those tracks and really um see the growth for myself personally that's good that's good and that's 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 i i get it like i don't i don't have such a a wide range but i'm creative ish mm-hmm. so i get what you're saying like i look at stuff cuz i i draw i look at stuff mm. that i did way way back and i'm kind of old so when i say way way back i mean way back and then i look at stuff you know 10 or 15 to 20 years after that i see i know what you're saying yeah if someone looks at stuff or listens to stuff that you did a while back and you're like i'm a lot better now and they're looking at you like but that was great then like (laughs) (laughs) like, what do you mean (laughs) yeah you can't you can't necessarily compare now you to past you no. Um, in terms of like a skill or something like that. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I noticed here too that you, is this a, somebody that you play with like out of work, the Arrowhead Jazz Band? Yeah, so the Arrowhead Jazz Band, that's going to be the National Park official jazz band. So okay. we go by Arrowhead to uh, represent the National Park. Um, and when we get those requests from other parks, we wanted to be official because we, we are able to go um, we're requested by other national parks to attend their, you know, special programmings and things of that sort. Um, so that's our just official title that we go by. Okay. All right. Gotcha. That's cool. Gotcha. Do you have any plans? And I'm I'm sure you might not be able to say at this point, but do you have any plans down the road to like officially record or anything like that? Oh, um, we record all the time. We record oh. all the time. Yeah, we um we have a songs for junior ranger album in which we uh have some songs that we recorded for kids um we partnered with a musician here by the name of sam cussling who is an excellent uh composer and uh he wrote these songs in which myself some former park rangers um we recorded we went to the studio did some recordings there um we also do have a lower mississippi lower mississippi um album which is kind of focused on uh hymnals and uh early traditional songs and um the most recent recording that we did was with um a very good friend Sadiki um and he is from West Africa he uh great percussionist and we actually were able to go into the studio and record some of his songs um and be featured on his project which was probably the most challenging um to date musical project that I've been a part of. Um if you know anything about West African rhythms um and just how they listen to music is completely different. It's completely different. And mm-hmm. so um being able to play with them and really um challenge myself musically was it was rewarding to hear how that ended up coming out. And so um uh if you look up Sadiki and Wowo yeah, <laughs> Wowo is his guitarist. Um, they are a great group, and um, their music just it speaks volumes. And they're just uh, they were just so happy to be a part of the process. That was one of my uh, most memorable times as this far, thus far, um, working with the Park Service. Nice. How, how would you spell Siddiqui so our listeners, if they want to Google him, can yeah can do it as- correctly? It'll be S I D I K I, and then it'll be and W O W O. Okay, nice. Thank you. And we will definitely put some of these links up. 
uh, when we put this episode up so our listening friends can check all of this out. So that kind of, your last answer actually just kind of led me into my next question. Like, besides that particular um, experience, what else have you found rewarding about working with the Park Service? Um, Just the many, the many, many experiences and people I've come in contact with. Um, I've been able to do some pretty cool things just within my first two and a half years. Um, we just recently wrapped up a project I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, it's mid-February. Uh, it's coming out in the next few days. But we were able to participate um, with some people in a joint project for the Library of Congress. Um, so I'm excited about that. One, because we played for it. Um, it'll be Rhapsody in Blue. They're doing a tribute to um, George Gershwin. And so uh, it was nice to, they have musicians from all over. And so we're going to be featured in a part of that. Um, So that is like, not only was I able to play in it, but I also was able to use my videography um, and cinematography skills as I'm the producer of our video um, for the park service that was, that'll be included with a part of that project. So um, that was nice. That was one of the, the the nicer things that I've done. But overall, we 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 have so many opportunities to go and travel and just represent, you know, this this genre of music in a formal fashion. And that's that's just been one of my favorite things, being able to meet people um, and play with people from different cultures. Like I said, Siddiqui and Wowo, they were from West Africa. We um, partnered. We had a Cuban um, bassist by the name of Dariana Video Capital. Um, she's a great and phenomenal musician. She did a residency. And so um, just having the Cuban influences and having somebody be able to kind of walk you through and teach you their music and, you know, play it together on a consistent basis um, definitely was something as a musician that I found very rewarding. Um, we also had some people that came from the, I think they were from Dominica. I'm, I, I forgot specifically, but they, I think they were from Dominica. The, uh, they were from Dominican Republic. And they, they were called, they're called Creole Caravan. And so they focus on kind of combining that French influence into um, some more of that Latin influence. Um, and they were able to come and they presented more of a dance and also musicians. So it was nice to be a part of that project as well because, um, Again, I'm just a. I'm learning that I learn that I that I love just multiple cultures, um, and really respecting and and having a, a new outlook. And I mean, it all starts with the music for me. And so, um, just being able to meet these people and collaborate with them and create with them is just is just one of my favorite things. Just working with the Park Service. Um, just besides all of the other things, like we're featured on you know national public radio. We, we've done some pretty, like like I said, some pretty cool things. But for me, it's more about the behind the scenes and learning from these different people as they kind of come in and are open to sharing with us. Yeah. Nice. I, I operate under the assumption that good music is good music. It doesn't matter. It's just good oh, music. Yeah. And I may be the only person that when they watched uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, when Sam said you should go listen to the Trouble Man soundtrack... Actually went, actually went and listened to the Trouble Man soundtrack. And that is a hell of a soundtrack. Uh, oh, yeah. If you've never listened to it, folks, 
go listen to it. I highly he's, recommend it. He's Two not thumbs alive, up. but he's right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and, he, and and it's funny that you mentioned that um, because even um, just I love listening to those uh, soundtracks. Alvin, um, what is his last name? Uh, Silvestri, uh, pretty much is the the composer of the those um, Captain America, all of those Marvel movies. I just I enjoy listening to those soundtracks like it'll be a random day. You know, I just have a whole soundtrack playing and it's, you know, it's it's something different, but it's it's just an appreciation of music, you know, where you can just sit back and listen to, to what's going on and kind of like envision your life as the movie, as the plot of what's going on behind the music. So one of the nice things to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. like that. And that's just coming off of what you just said, Jack, and I've heard it before about good music is good music, which I agree. But it brought to mind something I saw on Facebook earlier today, and it kind of gave me pause. And then I was really interested. I was intrigued by it. So apparently there's a show going on sometime in the next month or two where they're doing a tribute. Um, a band was doing a cover tribute of the entire Purple Rain album live. So I click on the link to see who this is. I like I looked at it and I looked at it and I was like, well, why not? Well, I mean... <laughs> Prince is one of them ones that you couldn't you couldn't pigeonhole him in a genre. You may have wanted to, but you couldn't because mm-hmm. he did a little bit of everything. So I'm yeah. thinking maybe I do want to go see and what this what this is about. And I was looking at their page and everything like that. I'm like, this looks interesting. Like, why not? If they like Prince, I know they're going to do a good job. And if they don't, I'll just throw my dirty socks at them. That's just right. the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, like like we've said it before on here, like music transcends. So, mm-hmm. granted, I'm not I'm not going to like Taylor Swift's cover of Earth, Wind, and Fire September. I would never, <laughs> never. I mean, there are just certain things that shouldn't be touched. There, there should be others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There shouldn't be because if you're gonna mess with the classics, do it justice. Don't mess around. Don't mess around. But and- yeah. I had to stop and think about that. I'm like, let me get over my own biases mm-hmm. thinking nobody but black musicians or black singers can do Purple Rain. Anybody who's good at it can do Purple Rain. They'll do it different because nobody will do it like he did. But mm-hmm. I'm intrigued now. I, I don't know. I have to. I might have to put that on the list and come back and report. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Prince was his own genre, you know. There's there's all the yeah. genres and Prince is his own. Yeah. Just you know, that that man had once again, it's not fair that someone could have that much talent. <laughs> the rest of us can't. <laughs> and, um, and he really did play basketball pretty well from what I hear. <laughs> oh, I I once met somebody that in that was Prince's age and he said that he played basketball against Prince as a kid, and he's like, No, that dude could ball. Like Charlie Murphy wasn't mine. He wasn't. I, he was, <laughs> I think he played point guard, if I remember reading. Yeah, he was a point guard. Yeah. I'm like, I could just see him just speeding. Choom, 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 choom. Sort of like um, what's the kid in the Marvel movies? Um Quicksilver. Quicksilver. Choom, 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 choom. Yeah. <laughs> um, believe it or not, we're getting close to uh, the end of the hour and it's still a music-related question that I wanted to ask you, but I just want your opinion on this. Um, as I've gotten older, I realize that as a parent, you need to put your kids in music because when you're 45, you can still play the guitar or the trombone or the oboe. Mm-hmm. 
you can't play football when you're 45. (laughs) Unless you're, you know, a former Patriots quarterback. And even his skills had depleted, right? (laughs) But um, I think one of the biggest injustices that our culture has done on kids in the education system is that when cuts get made, music is always one of the first things that get cut. When the truth of the matter is, if you want kids to be better in math, you need to start them in music younger. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there is, it is a scientific fact, the younger kids start learning to play instruments, the better they are at math. Which, of mm-hmm. course, the better you are at math, that leads to a bunch of other things. Um, what what are kind of, as a musician, what are kind of your feelings on that as, as well? Um, I know well, you probably weren't expecting that, but... <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, but it's perfect because um, I just music, you know, it, it, it incorporates so much um, as as I was learning through school and just in general, as I learned music, it, it incorporates so much. It's not only a math equation. It is also science when you think about sound and frequencies um, and how it travels and what, you know, from a production aspect, how to really manipulate sound. Um, that's a that's an entire science. And then you have a foreign language because you can look at these different things. And if you've never seen music notes before, it's like reading, you know, a, an entire different language. You have these the, the staff of music in which you have to know where these notes are and where to, you know, play them and how to play them on the instrument. And then, like you said, it's math when you have these different rhythms and putting them together. Um, so it incorporates so much, um, so many different subjects. So when they, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of an advocate of keeping music as as the first program, you know. And it's it's sad that even, you know, budget cuts are even a topic of conversation. But, you know, I definitely don't know where to start when it comes to making those budget cuts. But I just know music shouldn't be the first one to go um, since it does incorporate so much. And if if people have the patience and the time to really understand that, um, I think the you know, in general, the, the education system will be better off. Like, you know, we have we just have so many more benefits to music and these music programs than what's seen at first. And the first thing that we we like to save are our sports, which, you know, for those who are athletically gifted, that's amazing. But like you said, that's something that over time it'll run out. You know, unfortunately, your body may not be able to handle that for years to sustain you through life. But if you have those musician skills like i i play with people who are 70 80 years old and you know they're still alive and well and they don't lose that gift of playing music and even for some people that learn um whether they you know naturally gravitated towards it or not um they still have that ability to be able to play that that instrument or at least know have that knowledge to um understand music so like you said you know athletics are are definitely well in some people are gifted, you know, they're big, they're fast, they're ready to go when it comes time to it. But, um, you know, and I'm I'm not, again, advocating to cut sports first. <laughs> um, I just I just know that, you know, there's some things that can sustain you a little bit longer 
than uh what we sometimes focus on um and sometimes you know i think it, it all again comes to money and if that bring money to the school then okay that's understandable but um it's just a it's so many different directions in which we can go um other than cutting music first so definitely a huge advocate of keeping music and arts not just music when it comes right. to um because it's, it's it's an expression you know everybody may not agree with uh expressing themselves in the same fashion but just when you have artists and creatives in the same space, um, beautiful things can take place. And, you know, kids can find themselves and they have their imagination, you know, um, and again, not bashing sports or anything, but they're pretty clear cut. You know, it's not anything you can really get too creative with besides. Well, and I, I could be wrong, but from my perspective, there's, you know, you have you practice over and over again you get better at doing these same things because you have that repetition right but when it comes to learning these different things and and putting it and presenting it you know you have to go based on what other people are doing on the field on the court on the track you know but when it comes to really you know and like you know with the track you're running in a straight line or you're running around you know that that's not really a creative aspect when it comes down to it you know it's pretty straightforward but when you have art you know you take colors and you mix them to however you want to do it or if you're in a you know drama class improv you know you're filling the lines you react based on how somebody else is reacting you know music you're doing the same thing based on how other musicians are playing you know what they play it's it's all like it, it's more to it than what it appears it's a mm -hmm. social kind of aspect there's a technical aspect behind it and then there's your own creative aspect that you kind of add to it so um so much goes into music and like i said i'm just an advocate of keeping music and the arts just in in the schools and not having that be the first thing that people cut off immediately yeah yeah, yeah. my youngest daughter is a painter and does drawings and all that actually when she was in high school uh she wanted dylan to had some of her art on display at a museum here in Oklahoma wow. city um, wow. but, uh, Kenyatta knows the, re <laughs> the reason why she had a hiatus. Um, she's kind of having to learn to draw again. Mm -hmm. Um, listening friends know, you don't know this. My daughter was in a fire, had skin grafts on her right arm. She's right-handed. Oh, wow. It went up on her thumb. So she had a hard time holding the, uh, you know, the pens and pencils to do the drawing and the paintbrushes yeah. and all of that. But she's been really working hard to get that dexterity back. And so she's kind of yeah. had to to teach herself again because her thumb the skin on her thumb doesn't quite move wow how yeah. it did prior yeah um, but it's been therapy for her teaching herself mm -hmm. to do it again and she hasn't looked at it like i used to be able to do this she's looking at right. it like i'm doing this again and she actually on some of the things um it sounds dumb but she's like i'm so much better at drawing noses than i used to be yeah, 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 yeah. You'd be surprised. <laughs> you would be surprised. <laughs> I was about to say, like, that's literally, you know, a time to reinvent, you know, mm -hmm. your artistry. And that's like, even for myself, um, as I'm going through this transitional time frame, um, from about 2020, uh, during that COVID time frame, you know, when there was no in-person things, um, the only place I was really playing was church. And I was only doing that one time a week. So I went from playing every day and then to you know just once a week and getting to new orleans and playing with all of these great musicians you know i had lost a little bit of what i was doing but you know sitting down and having that discipline to relearn um something that i love doing you know that is, is it's an amazing feeling to to not only 
it's not even getting back to what you used to be. It's, it's reinventing yourself as a as a new part um, and just a new phase of artistry. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can really get that, you know, from sports or anything like that. You know, once you once you have that career ending injury, uh, you know, right. it's, it's pretty much a done deal. Then you have to find those other avenues. But for me, art and just it never it never wears out. Yeah, it's always, what is it? It's always going to uh, evolve. Always. It's like what less than ten percent of high school athletes play c- college sports. Yeah, and then yeah. it's like less than 05 percent of college athletes go make pro. it to the go pro. Doesn't matter yeah. the sport, but you know if you learn to play the guitar in sixth grade when you're seventy five, you could still play as long as you keep it up. You know you can still yeah. play the guitar. Mm-hmm. Definitely that. So this is going to seem like an off the wall kind of question, but. Um, I don't know if you saw when did it come out? 2020, 2020, 2021. Disney Pixar had that movie called Soul. Yes. So you know the part where he's talking about how he, he gets in his zone when mm-hmm. he plays. Do you feel like that when you when you play, like you get in the zone and everything kind of like you're in the bubble all of a sudden? Oh yeah. Even, even though you're hearing the other musicians and you're keeping time with them, you're like in your own space. Is that like that for you? Yeah, for me it's like um and and the piano it requires a lot of coordination especially with the bass and playing bass chords and maybe soloing with your right hand. So it's a lot of coordination on that side. But for um a percussionist and more specifically playing drum set, it's all of my limbs are moving at the same time. And so it's like when you can really get into that sweet spot and everything is just is just like flowing and you you can't you can't stop it it's a really good feeling and it's like you're really locked in especially when you're locked in with the the other musicians and you just it's just like your body is on autopilot and it's a pretty cool feeling when you can get to that sweet spot and that zone to where you know everybody is communicating because again playing music is a social experience you know between musicians whether um and there's a lot of of course nonverbal communication mm-hmm. as we're sitting there looking especially in jazz in the jazz genre because you know when you, when it comes to solos and things like that it's a lot more freedom to do what you want to do with the music as long as it's in context and so you know as we're having this conversation on stage between musicians it's like it's no feeling like that because we're understanding what's going on and then we're presenting this as a full force to everybody else and then you know they can see us having fun because that's that's what it is at the end of the day well most of the time but (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's a it's a fun feeling when we can all lock in and everybody is playing their part and it's just like wow like we're really we're really doing this right now. So yeah. <laughs> so if you could play drums with somebody, I don't not necessarily have a drum off, but just have an opportunity to jam with drums. Any drummer who stopped the top of your head, who would who would you want to do that with? Um, I would say Chris Dave. Chris Dave and um Yusuf Days. So uh Yusuf is who I I listen to a lot more now. Um he's a um I think he's from England, maybe, but he's a um, pretty great drummer. Um, he does a lot of like very technical things um, and they're all pretty on beat, um, if you will. And but they're just like very, very smooth kind of jazz um, with a little bit of technicality on the drumming side. 
Um, and he's just like, at this point in time, he's one of my favorite drummers to listen to at this moment. Um, for Chris Dave, I would say he just had more of an impact because he plays more of that free jazz sound. Um, he plays with one of my favorite pianists, Robert Glasper. So, yeah, he's like, they, they have that culture of music to where, you know, you really have to learn how to count time. Um, you play in different time signatures and things of that sort. And then you just kind of, it's, it seems like a freedom, but it still all makes sense. Um, and so his creativity and even like if you look at his drum set setups, like he uses the, the weirdest kind of instruments as far as drums are concerned. Like he'll have a cymbal that has been cut out to where it's a spiral and it hangs down. But when he oh, hits wow. it, it's a completely different sound. And, you know, you're just getting all of these different things from his uh, musical orientation that he sets up. And so he's just one of my favorite to um he really introduced me to that sound and kind of that 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 free a little bit of free jazz i'm not gonna say it's i'll say it's free contemporary a little bit um but he he really introduced me to that and got me in the idea of thinking everything doesn't have to be in a four four time or three four time triplet feel waltz feel all of those ballads and things like that but they you can really have fun with it and as long as you can count you know, you can put it in that structure. So um, those would be my two people I'll probably really jam with. And really, I probably would just sit back in just amazement that I'm in there in person. Right. So. He'd just be like, <laughs> like wow, wow, yeah. wow. And, and a follow-up question, what is a drummer that you think, you know, that's in a, been a very successful van or whatever, that's underrated, incredibly underrated as a drummer? That's a very good question. Um I would say a lot of drummers uh, here in New Orleans, it, it, I can't even pinpoint just one. And it's because they, they, you just don't hear about them all the time um, right. in, in the professional light, but they, they tour and everything. They play their music. Um, and one of my favorite drummers here is going to be Simon Lott. He's just a very progressive drummer. Um, he plays so many different styles and his versatility and his approach to the drum set is insane to me um because he can play those mixed metric things you know where he's playing off time and it sounds like he's playing off beat but it makes sense again but it's like so technical and it's precise and then you have uh, other people out here that i love listening to herlin riley is one of my favorite drummers um that you may hear you may hear him playing a lot with uh the marcellus brothers on their tracks um and uh with the late great ellis marcellus as well um and he plays like his approach is a little bit more melodic to the drum set and he gives the drum set um some 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 flavor in the in the space of tones and so um he's just one of my favorites to listen to if i'm looking for you know melodic inspiration and how to um demonstrate that on the drum set um, and then one of my last favorites that I would say uh, in this area is probably Peter Varndo. Um, He's just overall almost, I would say he's just a combination of those two uh, guys. And Herlin Riley, like I said, he played with the Marcellus brothers. So it's like having these different generations of uh, drummers kind of combined. They're just, uh, for me, it's, it's nice to sit back and learn from them. And uh, because... I mean, we I love the big name, big name drummers, big bands, but it's these smaller, you know, bands that you may not see everywhere else. You know, New Orleans is such a mu musically uh, 
infested, if you will, <laughs> city. And so you have musicians everywhere. And it's just amazing to kind of see how they progress um, and how they play. And then, you know, they go on their tours, come back and still are able to give back to um, the community and the kids that are learning from them as well. That That's what makes them underrated to me because they still come back and they're still able to teach. Um, they really don't have, you know, if you will, the musician ego to where, you know, it's all big and all grand and they actually have time to come back and teach and give back to, again, like I said, the community, the youth that are here. Um, and then even people like myself where I'm a professional musician, but I'm always willing to learn and 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 receive what is being taught listening to the music. So um, those are my three favorite underrated drummers, if you will. <laughs> All right, cool. And I'm going to ask you one last question. It's going to be a lighthearted question, and then I'll let Kenyatta finish off. What's your favorite dinosaur? Ooh, um, I would say uh, the one that resembles a giraffe. So, <laughs> <laughs> like a oh. like a brontosaurus or something yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the most um, important question you're going to get all year. Yeah, yeah. Be. I, they're close. They're close. <laughs> it is gonna have to be. Oh boy. But, um, yeah. has any anything else to ask you? I'm trying to think. I mean, you get to this stage in life, brain fog is not a joke. Um <laughs> it's permanent. Not quite, not yet. Don't curse me like that. <laughs> not before my time. <laughs> Here we go. So what I think I've been noticing, it probably did have a lot to do with COVID and people kind of condensing who they were around. I think mm. that music is starting to get starting to get regional again. Oh, yeah. Um, like where you'll have certain musicians that everybody knows. They might mm -hmm. stick to a particular genre, but most people know who they are. And then just like you said, you have so-called not underrated because their skills are equal to or even surpass the big names, mm -hmm. but you know about them if you live in that area. I right. think that's that's what's happening again with music, and I love it. Like I was just out at Denny's with my mother the other night, mm. and the young man who was our server he had a tattoo of a microphone on his forearm. So me being me, I was like, "Are you a singer?" He said, "Yes, I am." So I look him up. I look him up on Apple Music, and I'm listening to his stuff on the way home, and I was blown away. Mm -hmm. Like this young man who just happens to live in the same city I do has that kind of gift. I'm like, how many yeah. people do we know that have these kind of creative gifts that aren't getting the love that they ought to be? Mm -hmm. Like you said, you get up to a certain point, and you don't know nobody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then, you, mm -hmm. like you say, you have the musicians there in, in Norton's area or maybe like where I'm at in the DMV or up in D.C. that if you live here, you know about them. Mm -hmm. I was trying to tell somebody a while back about go-go music. They were like, it. what? I love it. They had no idea what go-go music was. I was like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I think it's I think it's kind of compressing. You know, I think it's just evolving. Like there's that 20, 30 year cycle. Everything oh, yeah. kind of does this business. So I think it's kind of condensing in again and i think we're getting some of the best music that's starting mm -hmm. to come out of these areas again but i'm loving i'm here for it i really am i was just listening mm -hmm. to somebody new today so i'm like i'm actually getting into these artists that are under 35 again <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe if i knew how to play an instrument 
during COVID when I was working from home, rather than spending all of my time at the smoke pit, eating barbecue every day, <laughs> I could have played the guitar and I wouldn't have gained all of the weight I did during, <laughs> during the lockdown. <laughs> Maybe I need a different hobby. <laughs> than perhaps, <pickup. laughs> perhaps you could go back to Guitar Hero. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> It's nothing wrong. It's nothing wrong. Well, I think I've, I'm going to take the liberty in saying um, I speak for myself and my co-host in that it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you this evening, Hunter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. I have learned so much and I am jazz and I have all these new names to look up because I, like I said, I love music and jazz is, I call it organized chaos and I love oh, it. Yes. So oh yes, <laughs> that's something for me to dip into uh, probably tomorrow. So, yes, yes ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yep. and I frequently will discuss a musician the other one hasn't heard. And the next day when we're at work, we're checking out that new music. <laughs> oh, <it> yeah. <laughs> I, I gave him Donny Hathaway one day. He came back. He was like, oh, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then he yeah. gave me Pink Floyd. And I came back. I was like. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Donnie Donnie Hathaway and Pink Floyd are slightly different. Somebody in there both somebody in there both play piano. That's that's all the stimulators are work. And that's so, all you need to know. <laughs> that's all you need to know. That's it. That's it. All righty. Uh so Jack, you wanna wrap us up like the present we are? Yes. All right. Um, once again, we appreciate everybody listening. We appreciate uh, Hunter coming on and being our guest. And if you like what you're doing and you would like to help us out, help us out, you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash hyperfocuspods. And that would be glorious and amazing if you were to help us out. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.